Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers. Today's guest is Jessica Travis. Jessica is a life coach helping women move out of misogynistic, patriarchal, and oppressive systems so that their voices, passions, and work can be wholly lived and experienced. She believes our stories are powerful and should be lived in authenticity and alignment. She will challenge you to take your pen back and write the story of you. Jessica hosts two podcasts, Connected and Sacred Spaces, On Connected, she journeys with women from all over the world as they tell their empowering stories. On Sacred Spaces, she shares the mic with her husband, Casey, as they tell their story of deconstruction and sacred living. She is also the co-founder of Rethink, a community platform hosting coaching and courses for the deconstructing community. She's been married for 27 years, has two adult daughters, and the most incredible grandson. Don't let a breakup beat you. Use it as a launching point to design the life of your dreams and have fun while you do it. Sometimes you just need a little reminder that this too will pass and some inspiration to get you back on your feet. That's why I'm sharing with you the X-Files podcast. The hosts, Janice and Claire, are both breakup coaches who show up each week to discuss all things breakup and dating related with a lot of laughs and a bit of science along the way. Check them out at X-Files with a PH wherever you listen to podcasts to help you heal from a past relationship, build your confidence, and get back out there in a magnetic way, no matter how rough your last relationship was. Welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, everyone. I am here with Jessica Travis. Hello, Jessica. Hi. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited today uh, to talk about your spiritual journey and the practices and beliefs that have served you most throughout your life and in in the present day. Yeah. No, I love that topic. This is an exciting conversation. I look forward to it. Yeah. I I would love to hear what, um, like now, as you are now in your life, um, what does spirituality mean to you? Hmm. You know, um, one of the things that I love about spirituality now versus what I grew up with is that I have allowed so much evolution into the process. Um, it's not static. It's very um, moving and um, it's not about destination. It's about presence. Um, and it's about continually learning, pulling in um, new experiences being more observant and more present in uh, the moments of spirituality, being more connected, uh, mind, body, soul, um, rather than a very um, knowledge-informed belief system 
So, um, yeah, I've changed a lot of language over the years as far as how I interact with spirituality, how I talk about it. So it, it, for a lot of people who've known me most of my life, it looks and feels very different, very foreign to them, but, um, but I like it now. <laughs> you like it now. That's great. Um, I, I you, you use the word connected and you do have a podcast called yeah. Connected. Um, and I, I was thinking about uh, talking with you and I'm really curious about, about your relationship to connection. Um, did you, mm-hmm. how, how did you come to care so much about connection? Well, I grew up in, um, the evangelical Christian experience, um, faith systems. And I got to a certain point in my life where I realized that that particular faith system um, compartmentalized myself. So I had a spiritual life. I had an, a knowledge-based understanding of my belief, like those, I believe this because it says this, this, and this. And then I had, um, well, a fairly non-existent uh, physical experience. Um, for, for me, my experience in evangelical Christianity uh, really separated my connection with body um, and left me feeling very fragmented, like I didn't know how to make all of these things work together. Mm-hmm. So with a few major life events, I was forced to do that and figure out how to heal my body. And in that process, really, um, and the work with um, a life coach, uh, really looking at how I become a more whole, more integrated into all of those things together, more flow of um, mind, body, soul, than such a a fragmented uh, life experience. So then it became like fuel to what I do in life. Uh, how If I'm doing something or thinking something or interacting in life in a way that starts to compartmentalize me into one of those spheres, I really pay attention now and say, well, okay, well, how do I bring my body into this? How do I bring my soul into this? Um, and yeah, that's, that's sort of the small, like condensed <laughs> conversation. Sure. Cause I, I know you and I could like go on forever <laughs> about this topic of connection. So, yeah. So, so I'm curious, you mentioned that there was, um, cause it sounds like connection is deeply related to spirituality and embodiment. Right. Um, and you mentioned there was an experience that forced you to deal with this. Could mm-hmm. you talk about that experience? Yeah. Um, about, uh, probably about four years ago, I was at work and I was, a um, orthodontic assistant. And I started noticing that I was having trouble seeing in my patient's mouths. <laughs> and um, I, so I went to my boss, my the doctor I worked for, and I just said, hey, I need to get this checked out. I'm having trouble seeing. Um, can you just kind of help me out here, kind of limit, you know, the types of patients that I took, the kind of work that I did until I figured this out. And um, in the course of a couple of weeks, my um, I started rapidly losing my eyesight in my left eye, mm-hmm. and um, which for me I didn't know it at the time. But uh, when you don't have vision in both your eyes, you don't have depth perception. So what I was experiencing at work was this inability to see depth in a dark mouth. So um, mm-hmm. uh, I just didn't understand what it was at the time. So 
this loss of eyesight got doctors' attentions really fast. Um, and lots of MRIs and tests of all kinds. And they found a tumor that was on my optic nerve in my left eye, mm. um, which isn't a fairly unusual uh, thing to find. There's actually specialists who take these types of tumors out on a regular basis. Um, so I immediately was sent to him <clears throat> here in Spokane. And uh, I was unknowingly gifted, um, the most amazing, um, doctor. My tumor was, spe was specifically difficult because it was sat at the very back of my ocular cone. Um, so if you think of your, your ocular cone, like an ice cream cone, mm -hmm. um, my tumor was sitting at the point, the smallest point. And there is a, uh, main artery that moves from inside your brain through that cone and into mm -hmm. your eye that feeds the optic nerve and um, everything that your eye needs. So this tumor was not only threaded deeply amongst the fibers of my optic nerve, it was also attached to this main artery. So mm -hmm. the normal way of going in was going to, would have killed me. Um, and because they couldn't control a bleed out if they went in through my temple. What was going on in your, like in your heart when you uh. were learning this news? Well, the, the humorous part about this was we, when we first started going in for testing, my husband was with me through all of it. And, um, we, they initially thought I might have MS because the symptoms, um, looked very similar. Hmm. And so we went in for the first MRI and walked out and we didn't know results, but walked out and said, well, at least it's not a tumor. And so shortly after that, we find out that it is. And of course, when you start talking tumors, doctors get really jumpy and um, start moving very quickly. And um, so in a matter of a few days, things escalated really fast. And um, I, you know, <laughs> what did I feel? It was my going on in my heart. It was a bit of surrealness, but a also a bit of, okay, this shit just got real. Like I've really got to, um, stop, uh, all the things that I'm worried about in life. I've just got to stop and I've got to take this in. Um, one of the things I had learned from my <laughs> life coach prior to that was, um, actually I take that back. I learned it after the fact. I just didn't recognize it at that time. Um, was, that I had to find a grounding. I had to find a spot where I, um, I felt solid in the midst of a lot of unknown information at that time. Mm. So what's that for you? Um, I think it was the first time I I'm a survivalist by nature, like, you know, uh, crazy things come up and I go into survival mode and I just do the stuff that needs to be done. And I, I this is part of that fragmenting. I just disconnect mm -hmm. from my body and I disconnect from my emotions and I just do the thing that has to be done. Mm -hmm. And this was uh, probably the first time that I couldn't do that. I didn't, there was no way for me to, I had to stay connected with my body. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I kept, <laughs> I look back now and I, I kept, feeling myself, like I would touch my face and I would 
like, okay, Jess, you're here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to go into that mode of survival, but I knew that I needed every part of me at full capacity. Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably the beginning of really, um, I, I don't think I knew it at the time, but it was the beginning of uh, connecting all the parts of me back together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so this particular tumor uh, couldn't be done, couldn't be removed the normal way. So uh, as I started to lose my eyesight in pie shapes, um, if you think of your your vision in a circle, um, I was left with one small piece of pumpkin pie. <laughs> it was just a little tiny sliver left. And um, my doctor had told me at one point when it's time, I'm going to tell you it's time to go in for surgery and we have to, we have to go through your brain. Um, this was the only way that they could have control of the artery if it were to bleed out. Mm-hmm. Um, the bleed out would not just cause blindness, but it would have killed me. So um, they needed to have full access, full control of mm-hmm. my uh, tumor, my artery. So uh, July, three years ago, um, I went in for um, my first craniotomy. Um, and this one was a surgery that had never successfully been done before. Um, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so there, this is like, this is an extremely stressful experience. What, what, I'm like, I know you had, you had a, some sort of spiritual practice. What was, yeah what was anchoring you? What beliefs were you using or practices to help yeah. you, help you cope? You know, my, my frame of reference was, um, that of Christianity. So, um, uh, this, this idea that, uh, God was in control. was a very profound, um, part of my life. Um, but it was one that was also in question at that point in my life too. So it was a strange cross road to take something that was very normal for me to lean back on, but also be kind of in conflict with that idea. Um, I think that um, the word that kept coming to my mind during that time was just rest, just rest just like I go a hundred miles an hour and this was a time to just stop and rest. Um, it also forced me back to my intuition, my knowing, um, of making big decisions, um, that I didn't have much time to make. So, um, I had to trust myself. Um, and that was not, uh, that was not something that I, I felt comfortable with at that time. Mm. Um, I knew how to trust a deity. I knew how to trust a, a, a system and a practice, but I didn't know how to trust myself. Mm. So um, it was going into the deep end really fast. Yeah. Um, what did, what did self-trust look like for you on a practical level? Um, I think I had been, um, kind of taught that trusting myself was uh, leaning into my flesh, <laughs> leaning into that uh, that dark side of self. Um, 
but I really needed me in this process. Mm. Um, so listening, um, what brought peace, um, what brought resolve, um, and then um, moving in that. In fact, my doctors at one point said, it's time to go to surgery. I have it all scheduled for next week. This was like a Friday. He says, we're scheduled for Wednesday. And I went, uh, no, I can't do that. I need time. And I, it was this, I, this thing he kept saying, if we don't do this now, you may not have your sight. We need to do this now. And I said, I have a few things I have to put into place before I do that. Um, I need, I need to wait. So that was in wow. June. So it was almost uh, four weeks later that I actually went into surgery. And I think that was the bi first big move of saying, I'm, I'm trusting myself that there are things that I need to be able to walk into this, um, into this surgery, things I need to orchestrate in my life, things I need to prepare for so that I can have the best um, healing process available to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was one that went, it didn't entirely go against the doctors. It's just, it was a risk I was taking. I was taking the risk that we couldn't fix this yeah. if I waited. Yeah. So, but we did, we did fix it. Yeah. So that's a, that's a huge jump. I mean, um, <laughs> and I know like times of times like this of like really incredible stress and, you know, disruption in your life, as you could look at it, were tend to bring about like other changes. And you mentioned that you came into this with, with a background of a Christian faith that was mm -hmm. sort of in question. Um, and then you moved into self-trust, which I, yeah. from as, as someone from a Christian background, I know that that is not, yeah. that is not something that is promoted or, you know, thought well of. So that's, that's the incredible that you were able to, to move into trusting yourself that much that you postponed a life and sight saving surgery mm -hmm. to make sure that you, you felt good about it. What was like, yeah. what, what were the, what were the little pieces you were learning to trust yourself and your intuition in this process? Cause you said, you said that was like the first big thing you did. That's a huge thing. Yeah. That's, that's no small thing. What were the other, like, what were the beliefs that you were considering or like um, mm -hmm. things you were like, I do, I want to eat this sandwich day. Like it could be tiny. Yeah. I'm curious. Like what, what moved you to be able to be like, mm, no doctor, I need this surgery a little later yeah. because I'm not ready. Yeah. You know, um, I have, I have two daughters. Um, they're adults, adults now, but one of them at the time was uh, still in high school and she was getting ready that summer to go to Japan for a study abroad. And um, I was very concerned that uh, if I did this surgery prior to her leaving, she wouldn't go. And so I needed to have her um, okay and doing the dream that she had, that she'd worked years and years to have. Mm -hmm. And I also needed, I know, I knew that I needed a certain kind of environment when I came home from the hospital. So in orchestrating that, 
um, there were lots of little decisions. Actually, they weren't little. You know, I look back mm. on it and I'm like, I disrupted a lot of people um, because I, I started putting boundaries in place that I had never um, done with people before. Um, I, there was some some knowing that I had to own this experience. Mm. This was this was my tumor. This was my body. Mm. This was my eye. Mm. This was m- my risk as to whether or not I saved my eye, whether I had sight again, whether mm. I had damage to my brain through this surgery. Um, they, they're they literally moving the frontal lobe of my brain out of the way. Like he, he talked about it. The neurosurgeon talked about it like a, I'm just going to take a little scoop, kind of like a an ice cream paddle. And I'm just going to pull that oh frontal lobe back and we're going to just go in. And I'm like, there's so many things that could go wrong. Mm. And if I didn't own this process, um, I couldn't, I knew, somehow I knew I couldn't own my healing either. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so, you know, it, it was interesting. You're, you're kind of forced in a very short amount of time to make really big decisions. And sometimes you discover that you have the capacity to do this thing, to make these kinds of decisions. And mm. it was, it was the after the the six months to a year after where I realized this capacity in myself <laughs> and I did start making different decisions. I chose the coffee I wanted when I was standing at the coffee counter with a friend. I didn't pick mm. what they wanted. I didn't pick the same thing. I picked what I wanted. Like it, mm. the micro decisions I think came after. The big ones led me there, but the mm the smaller decisions then had to play. Like I could do this over here. So I really need to think about what I'm doing on a daily basis. Mm. Um, So maybe it was more of a catalyst to a lot of of personal um, choice and um, that trusting myself later. Yeah. Have you heard of, um, I mean, some people talk about spirituality in like in layers, like stages uh-huh. of spirituality, like, but for most, for most like ideas around this, the first one is, is victim. Like you're mm-hmm. the victim and you need a savior, which is very much right. Christianity. Um, and a lot of, a lot of like beliefs, but then you move into like, you happen to life, which is like mm-hmm. people call manifestation or right. like um, you are the one who's making like happening to life. Mm-hmm. And it sounds, it sounds like you're describing like you owning your tumor. Like, it sounds like you went from like uh, I'm a victim here and like having been in this role of, mm-hmm. of Christianity as someone who was, who was a victim and who was in need of the savior and following the rules to like, to you knew like, oh, I need to do what I need to, to survive and owning your tumor and like connecting your whole self was like, mm-hmm. you started happening to your experience yeah. instead of your experience happening to you, wow. which is really beautiful. Yeah. Well, and then when you put it that way, it's, uh, it almost gives me goosebumps because it's, um, 
it's it's one of those experiences where I often have a hard time saying, you know, when you ask me the question, what what was that spiritual practice you lean on? What is that that spirituality that you you go to in a time like this? And and I think that that experience of it was all spiritual. Yeah. Every aspect of it was spiritual. There mm-hmm. wasn't a part of it that wasn't, but it wasn't in the same framework that I had been raised to understand spirituality. It was it was at a whole new depth. It was at a whole new experience. And I would look around and I would see, because I was losing my sight too, I would see everything. I would see color because I only had color out of one. Well, I was losing color, which is part of your depth perception. You need both eyes to be able to see fully in color. Mm-hmm. So when you start to lose sight in one, you start to, everything in the world becomes very gray. So I was trying really hard to hold on to green trees and blue skies and sun, the colors of sunset. And I, I, I thought if I come out of this in any deficiency, from who I am right now, I wanted to remember, I wanted to be able to hold that. So then everything gets very vivid and everything gets very spiritual. So to say, (laughs) I think this is where people struggled with me to, to give God credit. Um, God saved me from my tumor. It's a really hard concept for me now. Um, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit your story no, at all. No. And, but did I have a very divine experience? Did I, did I touch the divine on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't in the language or the framework that I had known for 40 some years. So this, this sounds like, even as you're telling me this story, this sounds like, it sounds like you, you had this like, like went out like a rite of passage, like you went out into forced to go out into the wilderness and take ownership of everything. And, and I mean, you, you weren't forced to take ownership. You could have, you could have stayed in this framework, but you chose to, you chose to own your experience. You chose to own your life. And for the sake of survival, you came out a warrior with so much more power I'm I'm curious because from what you've said, it sounds like this was like a like a most mostly like not your not your struggle with it, but like spiritually, it sounds like mostly positive. At any point in there, was there was there like a grief in letting go of what had served you and moving into moving into this mother mm-hmm. warrior energy? Yeah. Um there were definitely those traditional things that we do in times of a health crisis, particularly. Um, one of those is, is, you know, as you're doing the hospital intake for, it's extensive when you go into surgeries like this and um, they want to orchestrate your clergy visit prior to surgery. And, um, and it was at this time, my, uh, my husband had been a pastor for 10 years, um, years before this. Um, and so of course I had that role of pastor's wife. I know how all of this works when somebody goes into crisis and how the elders and the pastors, they come in and they, you know, pray with you there or prior to you going into the hospital, it's all pre COVID. So there's access, you know, for everyone. And, um, that was an expectation that I had. Um, it was, uh, something that 
I saw as still comforting mm-hmm. um, was to have that support. Yeah. No one came. No one offered. And I'm going, okay, how many beds have my husband and I sat at um, with people doing this very thing? Mm-hmm. And it's my turn and there's no one there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a previous pastor that we had worked with who um, is just, you know, probably one of the most amazing humans I know, uh, got on his Harley, drove from Chicago, rode, not drove, rode from Chicago <laughs> um, to Spokane, Washington to arrive at my hospital and come in and pray for me. And he had this prayer. Mm. He, he asked God to let him carry whatever pain I was going to have, to let him carry it. And he'd had prior to that um, an aneurysm that should have killed him. So he lives in continual pain um, from that aneurysm. And uh, so for him to pray this prayer was like, oh my God, nobody's like literally wanted to take my pain like that, right? So um, he sat with my husband during the long surgery and and I, of course, they give you all kinds of pain meds and um, hallucinogen pain meds. Like it was, <laughs> it's a roller coaster after a surgery like that. And mm-hmm. but I was preparing myself for the most immense pain that I would know, and it never came. Mm-hmm. And so it was this crossroad between feeling failed by the system in the church that I was a part of in Spokane to feeling met with by the divine and by someone who knows the divine. It was such a paradox. Wow. Um, Mm. But it was also because of that experience. It was, um, there was a, there was this, this weird loneliness that um, I expected my church community to be a part of mm-hmm. and wasn't. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't I don't know if that answers your question. Is that there's so <laughs> many like like crazy things happening and I look back and I go, it, it was a catalyst to where I am now because all of these things, the rubber hit the road. Everything collided in this time. And um yeah. Oh, I, I just, I see something here and I want to say it because it yeah. just, it, it continues to fit with what I'm seeing in this. It's, it's like you, you had an old spirituality, right? That mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't working anymore. It wasn't serving you anymore. And, and in every way, this other thing came up short and mm-hmm. like right before you went into surgery is like the final thing, like came up short. Your, mm-hmm. your old version of what you thought was didn't work. And when you right. accepted that, you owned that and you owned it and be- like believed and trusted yourself in every way you owned your experience and accepted there was something different. Divine came from Chicago and met you and yeah. said, yeah, you get it now. Yeah. Mm. That's, it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I could talk to you about this forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this experiences like this are definitely full of layers. And I and I guess that's why this static spirituality that I had prior just doesn't fit. Um, because I 
keep pulling back layers of this experience and sitting here talking with you about it is pulling back new layers of what happened at that time and where it moved me to. Um, you know, you, you, <laughs> I, the same person who came in, um, wrote his Harley out <laughs> for me. Um, he, uh, he used to say, one may act contrary to their expressed beliefs, but they cannot act contrary to their actual beliefs. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I think that's what happened there mm-hmm. is that this, this professed belief I had didn't, didn't actually play out. It didn't actually work in the people that I was trusting that were saying this belief. It didn't actually work out. So the ones, the ones who had this, deeper, (laughs) like real, uh, I live and I practice, um, this spirituality. That's what, that's what came up. Um, so incredible. I kind of want to conclude on that note, just because it's so, it's so beautiful and we're almost at time, Mm -hmm. but I, I am so inspired by you, Jessica, and Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing this story. I know so many people will resonate with this having to move into ownership and and choosing to to own your body and be in your experience and not abandon yourself it's not only going to resonate but be so inspiring and i'm just inspired hearing you because i know what it means to to sit in longing for something to be different and work towards acceptance and work towards actually owning owning what's happening to you and that's that is no small feat that is like you said every bit of it is spiritual and I'm just so honored that you shared your story Mm. with me so thank you Uh, thank you thank you for holding space for my story it's it's um it means a lot so thank you absolutely Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.